0: Not long after COVID started, I joined the movement to try and finish Netflix, albeit with not such successful results. But in that journey, I came across a number of shows and videos, documentaries that got my attention, and a lot of them happened to be around endurance racing competitions, running There was one in particular that I thought was really intriguing about a stand up comedian who decided to run an ultra marathon after the untimely passing of his mom, which was interesting, entertaining, inspirational in some sense. It really got me thinking about running in general and then races and marathons and ultra running and and things like that. I have never in my life been accused or confused with being a runner per se. As a mental health professional, I certainly try my best to take care of myself physically, to help me mentally. And I do that on a regular basis for maintenance. But running is just not really something that speaks to me. And I have friends who have really bought into Pelotons and done that sort of exercise. So it really got me thinking as a topic, it would be really interesting what running does for us, what's the mentality of someone who defines themselves as a runner, what it takes to become a runner and to train and actually to do some of these races and complete some of these races, so on and so forth. I thought it would be a very relatable topic for most of us, whether we love or hate running. And with that in mind, I invited someone who has dabbled, maybe a little more than dabbled into running. and race competition, so on and so forth. So I hope you enjoy this one. I certainly did. This is Mental Filter. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Mental Filter, where we have the opportunity to talk about so many different topics, interesting topics, interesting people, all through the lens of mental health. My name is Shmuel Fischler. I am a clinical social worker. I own and direct a private specialized practice just a bit north of Baltimore called CBT Baltimore. And as you heard in the introduction, this is a topic that I think a lot of people will relate to because we're going to be talking about the different variations of running, long distance running, marathon running, all these endurance type of races, so on and so forth. And I was fortunate enough to bring in a co-host for this. And I'm going to allow Jake to introduce himself in just a second. And I'm just really looking forward to getting into this topic, which some people maybe don't relate to at all because they hate running. And some people who this is their passion of their life and can't live without running. So without further ado, Jake, please tell everyone who you are.
1: My name is Jake Fishman. I'm a Baltimore native. For the purposes of this podcast, I'm a running enthusiast, uh, CrossFit enthusiast. Uh, I work for Johns Hopkins University. I'm the proud parent of one puppy and three cats and <laughs> husband to a great wife.
0: Amazing. And the way Jake and I know each other is he mentioned CrossFit. So we're part of the same CrossFit gym. Yep. Evermore. Awesome. Greatest
1: CrossFit community in Baltimore.
0: That's right. And When we talked earlier, you had mentioned that CrossFit is your second love and your first love was running, running predated CrossFit. So just give us a snapshot into your journey and progression of running and then into maybe like the more longer distance running.
1: Sure. So I started running back in high school just for soccer practice. We were required to run a 5K as part of our tryouts. Uh, I never actually ran like cross country or track in high school. I wasn't really interested in that. And it wasn't until college, I met my still one of my best friends, Eric, uh, at James Madison, and he was involved in the club cross country and track team. So he got me involved there. Even in college, it was more like a social circle. And I enjoyed it, of course, I enjoyed it a lot. But I was more involved in the social aspects. Um, My running distance was, you know, never anything longer than five miles. And was not you know, only barely considered myself like a runner as part of my identity. But then after college, I think when I moved back home, I was really looking for, I was probably nostalgic or like kind of nostalgic and missed certain aspects of college. So I, I continued with running to try to, I think, just carry on that kind of tradition and just got more and more into distance, did a couple half marathons. I've done a couple, I mean, this is over several years, done a couple marathons. And then most recently, this past March, ran my first ultra marathon. It wasn't an official an official race, but uh, it was to raise money in memory of my my younger brother and to raise money for Helping Up Mission, which is a recovery house in Baltimore. And so I ran 33 miles and raised about ten thousand dollars for that recovery house. And ultra running has always been appealing. It's kind of been something I even when I ran my first marathon, I thought I could knit. Well, I can never run an ultra. Um, you know, these guys are incredible. These guys and and ladies are incredible. The people who do this, but then. I did it, and unfortunately, due to COVID, races are postponed. You know, are kind of um, they're not a priority right now. But it's it's something I definitely want to continue. It got the bug for that. I think
0: that's amazing. So you were able to merge two things: the, the the passion and the love for running, and then you coupled that with a really really meaningful mission and, and project yep. and and cause, which is that's really nice. Any time that we could merge. Two loves and two interests and two meaningful goals. That's amazing. For the for the layperson, is there a technical definition to an ultra marathon?
1: Uh, so well, actually before I even get into, I should have said this from the very beginning. I I should clarify, I am definitely a novice when it comes to ultra running. As I said, I've only run one. But technically, an ultra marathon is anything longer than a marathon. So a marathon is twenty six point two miles. I guess technically twenty six point three. Would be considered uh, an ultra marathon, but traditionally there are some standard distances for official ultra marathon races. So uh, it usually starts at a 50k, then a 50 miler, then a 100k, and then a 100 miler. And then of course there's distances in between. So a 50k is—I looked that up. I think it's like 31 and change, something like that. But really, it's anything longer than a marathon.
0: Right. I think I mentioned this in the introduction. One of the things that I saw that sort of piqued my interest in talking about this is that I came across this documentary on Netflix. I think it's called Once is Enough about a, a guy, a comedian. It's actually very entertaining as well as interesting. Who, after his mother passed untimely, he decided, hey, even though I'm obese, you know, my first goal is going to be an ultra marathon, a hundred mile ultra marathon. And it follows his like journey and his training and his, his attempts. So like for him, there was this really specific reason, motivation, because it had to do with health and had to do of meaning with his mom. And so there's a lot of different reasons, but I guess in your opinion, it doesn't make a difference if you're a novice, like what draws people to running?
1: I mean, there's of course the 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 desire to, you know, like to be, to get healthy and to, to exercise. But I think, you know, running, um, especially when you get into longer distances, there's definitely more of like an intrinsic meaning to it because, you know, you don't need to run a marathon. You don't need to run an ultra marathon to get in shape. So uh, for me, it's a lot of just a challenge to see if I can do it, to, you know, push my body to to a limit and see if I can take it. I also, I think that physical health, you know, and I'm fortunate enough to to be relatively healthy, but I think physical health is such a gift and our bodies are built to do incredible things. And I think running these kind of distances is just kind of a testament to that and is kind of honoring that. And then it's also, I, I don't want to take it for granted. I mean, I know ultra running and even marathons are, are kind of an extreme, but there's so many people that are unable to for one reason or another. And I mean, I, jo- I joke that when people ask why I do this, I say it's just a lot of self-hatred, but that's, you know, that's mostly in jest <laughs> <laughs> um, because there's a lot of pain involved as, as well. And not it's not just love. <laughs>
0: That's. I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that I I hope to get into with you today about the 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 pain aspect and and the challenges that come along with it. You mentioned a couple things, and I've heard one of the things you said before from several people. Sort of is this is a personal challenge. Any endurance race or challenge, it's like, well, how far could I push myself? Mm -hmm. Some things we take for granted, and some things are assumed that most people can typically do it, and then okay. Could I go beyond that? And I find that in CrossFit too, all the time, doing a wad where it's at the beginning is like, whoa, Shmuel, uh, I don't know if this is gonna happen. And it always amazes me that okay, just just do one more, one more, mm-hmm. one more, and what you're actually able to accomplish. There's the physical aspect of wow, well, physically I was able to do that, but also the mental aspect of challenging ourselves to go beyond what initially the voice in our heads told us we could accomplish
1: yeah i i totally agree with i mean i think the same thing when it comes to crossfit workouts but then also with running if i you know if i'm lining up for a race or even if i'm just about to go off on just a longer run there's always that like kind of like the butterflies am i sure that i want to do this am i sure that i can do this and then as soon as you start at least for me when a marathoner, you know, I think back to in March when I ran my ultra, as soon as I start, it just goes away because I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm doing it. And I don't know, there's kind of like no turning back at that point.
0: I love that because it totally speaks to the anticipation for things nine out of 10, if not 10 out of 10 times is way worse than the actual experience. And the biggest hurdle is getting over that like first step. And then once I do it, then not easy, but I'm in it and I can continue and go with it.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Do you remember your first uh, marathon?
1: Yeah, it was in 2012. I think it was 2012. Um, It was the Twin Cities Marathon in Minneapolis. At that point, I had only run halves, and you finish a half marathon, Right, most people probably, myself included, Um, I finished a half marathon, and I thought, there's no way I could do double this. And then I actually had just gotten back from uh, spending eight months abroad and I was spending some time with my cousin. She's in Minneapolis and she told me that she was signed up for this race. And I thought, well, like, I I really want to get back into running. Like, I'll just, I'll sign up and like, I'll just, I'll bite the bullet and I'll do it. And yeah, and it worked out. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I've
0: noticed this. I don't know if it's accurate, but it seems that with running in particular, it's like a little polarizing. Like people, well... I'm a runner or no, I'm not a runner. (laughs) I mean, I can say for myself, if I was honest, like I don't enjoy running. So it's almost, feels like there's
1: this, you're in or you're out when it comes to running. Do you find the same thing? Yeah, I think, I mean, my distinction is it might be the same, but I look at it as versus like, you're either you're training or you're just running. So if you're training for a race, you're actually, I would consider somebody who's like training for a race. That person is a runner or if they're training for a goal, that person is runner. Then other people just, yeah, if it's not for them, it's just not for them. And I mean, that's definitely in the CrossFit community as well. I think CrossFitters are notorious for hating running and not considering themselves runners, but...
0: Guilty as charged.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that seems to be pretty typical. But yeah, I don't know if that answered the question, but that's kind of how I viewed it.
0: Yeah, it does. It makes sense what you're saying, that if you're running... Towards something and you have some achievement of why you're running as opposed to, hey, I have some time in the morning and I'm going for a jog, right. Going for a run, that's like okay, and I, and I exercise that happens to be running.
1: Right. And I make that distinction with no judgment. It's just that whether you're, you know, training for a marathon or whether you know your twenty minute morning jog is just that's just how you get your exercise, that's you know, that's totally fine. But yeah, I do I do think there's a distinction there.
0: Well, you mentioned training. So let's talk about that for a second. Sure. And again, our whole goal is today is, is that when we're talking about these things to try to pay attention to some of the, the mental health aspects of it. Now, when it comes to training, I imagine I've never done any long distance running myself. I imagine there's certain challenges and obstacles that are very different from, you know, running five miles versus training for a half marathon. Marathon and ultra marathon. Can you talk about some of the like specific challenges when you have to do such an extensive amount of training and be consistent, and the hurdles and the setbacks and all that stuff when it comes to this type of training?
1: Sure. So the primary challenge is simply time. If you're trying to train for longer distances, and this is an excuse I I want to say this is an excuse, but it's a reason a lot of people have. T- said, like, you know, I can never train for a marathon because you need to have hours on, you know, some days if you're getting up towards the end of a training program, you know, you're running 18, 20, 22 miles before the marathon, you need to make sure you have three, four hours to do that distance itself, then whatever recovery you need afterwards. Some people can, you know, the the best of the best can can run 20 miles and then just go have a normal day afterwards. (laughs) But um, I'm not one of those people. The, the rest of uh, humans among us. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. So having the time to do it, that's certainly one challenge. Being prepared to avoid and prevent injuries is another challenge. I think running is actually considered one of the most, quote unquote, dangerous physical activities in terms of just number of injuries. And when I say injuries, that can be something as small as just like some shin splints or like a little bit of tendonitis. But, you know, it's very common to have overuse injuries if you're not taking care of yourself actually in college before I did much distance, you know, longer distance running. And before I did any strength training, I had horrible shin splints. And that's why I really I couldn't run longer than five miles. But it wasn't until I started CrossFit and actually working on just general muscular strength that I have, you know, knock on wood, have not had a running injury since then. Uh, since college, I've I've had maybe shin splints for like a week if I just aggravate my legs a little bit from like a particularly long run, but nothing chronic at all. And so I found that incorporating strength training, particularly lower body and core strength training, which, you know, CrossFit is, has plenty of that, has been a necessity to to keep running long distances.
0: Right. So let me jump in here a second. So sure. just to touch on the, one the first point you made of the time commitment, and I yep. think take away... I think for myself, for for everyone is having a long-term goal and then having these short-term goals. You really have to invest in ourselves. And sometimes these long-term goals feel really daunting and overwhelming, Mm -hmm. but investing yourself in this overall goal. So to speak to that for a second, what in particular has helped you maintain and sustain the motivation, if there's this like long period of time of training, so you have this big time commitment Mm -hmm. in a day, and then over the course of weeks and months, where the overall goal is to get to be able to run a marathon, that's a long journey, and even within running itself, it would take me, I don't know how long to run 20 miles, and so throughout that 20 miles of not looking at like, oh my god, 20 miles, I'm a half a mile in, what has worked for you to
1: help sustain that motivation, not get lost in the overall goal? I mean, honestly, it's it's pretty it's pretty simple for me, at least. Uh, it's to have a a good a good lineup of some podcasts to listen to. <laughs> I used to listen to music a lot while running. Sometimes I'll switch to music towards the end when I need like some, you know just more of a rhythm, something like more to pump me up when I'm really tired but I stick to podcasts now to kind of keep my brain stimulated while I'm doing this pretty monotonous activity. And the other thing that it's also pretty simple is um, I can't wait to eat whatever the hell I want afterwards. (laughs) You know, when you're running 20 miles, you pretty much have just a get out of jail free card for, you know, whatever you want to eat later. Then also, you know, more a little more substantively, like I try to keep the bigger picture involved. And I know that when I was training for my ultra in, in March, I knew that if I didn't get a couple like 20, 20, plus miles, I actually ran two marathons in preparation for that as well. But if I didn't get those longer distances in, I knew I just wouldn't be able to accomplish my bigger goal. So it's, it's keeping that perspective, keeping, keeping that bigger picture involved. Cause you know, I'm not like as much as I love running, there's certainly days when I don't want to, or when I'm actually in the middle of a run, I'm just like, I want to just turn around and go home. Like I'm, I'm bored. I'm just not feeling it. my legs are tired today or whatever it is. But then you have to remember, like, if I want to get my goal, I have to, like, I have to finish this barring, of course, an injury or something, you know, actually a true excuse that would uh, justify stopping.
0: (laughs) Right. But that's a really good point is, is that no matter what we're striving for, there's going to be times where we're not motivated absolutely monotonous, which I think monotony is probably one of the most common things that I hear is like running is just so boring. How in the world do you run for so long? But the point is, is is that if I have this long-term goal and if I accept that, well, I don't have to be motivated every single minute Mm -hmm. while I'm doing it, right. Stay the course, no pun intended, but (laughs) stay the course and I can do this even though I'm not super motivated right now. I'm not super in the mood yep. right now, but I can continue doing it.
1: And, and I also think that there's some value in putting up with, for lack of a better term, the monotony. I think you know, it, it helps build discipline and patience. Even though I'm, I'm generally listening to something while I'm running, like I don't have to be stimulated 24-7. And a, a friend of mine who is competing in Ironman races, to help prepare him for the monotony of running, biking, swimming for so long, he would go on a, a rowing machine and put his rowing machine in front of one of his blank walls in his garage. No music, no nothing. And he would just row like for an hour, just like staring at the wall just to, I've never done that. <laughs> but you know his, his mindset on that was he's training his brain to be, or training himself to be bored and to just push through it.
0: And be okay with it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, at risk of sounding like an old crotchety man, younger people <laughs> tend to have a really hard time with being bored. Yep, yep. It's, sure. And I, I mean, in all seriousness, like people have a really, really hard time being bored and I'm not stimulated. How could I sit here and not do something? And some people, you know, some people that I work with who perhaps have some mental health struggles or when I'm sitting alone with my thoughts, that's when all the negative yep, or, yep. Or anxious thoughts come in and it's, I, I can't sit here not doing anything, but that's a good point you brought yeah. up about training ourselves to be bored. And let's see if I can tolerate being bored.
1: Yeah, no, for abs- absolutely. Um, and then I think kind of going off of that, I also think that, you know, running can also become a crutch to avoid, you know, you are kind of bored while you're running sometimes, but it's also as an escape from the anxieties, from your issues. You know, exercise is a great form of therapy. That is my primary form of therapy. I have gone to talk therapy a fair number of times in the past, and I, I've gotten a lot out of that. But when, you know, when I'm not dealing with, like, a, an acute issue, exercise and running is my escape from that. It's just a way to get out all of that pent-up energy, whatever, aggression, frustration. And it's sometimes, you know, like, while you're bored, you can think and process and just, you have plenty of time to go over things and,
0: yeah. So it's a, it's actually a real opportunity to be able to be with our thoughts. Yes, sometimes definitely. I really like so, trying so hard to avoid them. And I can totally relate. I mean, exercise for me is, I'm not knocking my own profession, but exercise for me has has paid so much dividends as far as the benefits, the mental health. There's the physiological and the neurological benefits of, of doing exercise. Uh, specifically for me, it, it turns out that it's CrossFit, that intensity and you know, when you're done, you just like feel it. And it's that to me has, has paid huge, huge dividends.
1: And Definitely. Go- and I, if I can speak to that, I think, um, especially, you know, when it comes to CrossFit, if it's a particularly challenging, I mean, really, like so there's so many technical movements in CrossFit, you have to be like, all there, you have to be present and focused on like what you're doing, and, you know, focused on the task at hand, when you get into running longer distances, you know, rel- I mean, and when I say longer distances, that's actually relative to someone's ability, you know, a 5k could be a long distance for, for a lot of people. For me, it's like longer, but when I'm getting into, you know, that marathon distance, you get to a point where you can't just zone out. Like I, you have to, the default is stopping and you have to like constantly override that and focus on like, no, I have to keep going. I have to be present. I have to think about like, take another step, take another step, take another step. So it's, it really, I think in both those kinds of situations, it forces you to be in the moment and focus on what you're doing and not focus on, you know, whatever else might be going on in your life that day or whatever bigger issues that we all have. Um, you know, you just have to be there. And it's, it's also serves as a nice break from that.
0: Right. And that segues really nicely into, I was going to ask you and follow up on what you said earlier about injuries in every sport, in every activity, there's, there's a certain level of like mind over matter. Playing through injuries or, you know, aches and pains and stuff. So I'm curious when it comes to running, how that plays out. And I wonder if it's even compounded or highlighted because I'm trying to picture myself. If I'm running, I'm in mile 12, and I feel something in the sole of my foot. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing else to distract me. And you're trying, like, don't think about that, don't think about that, don't think about that. And as we know, the more you try to not think about something, the more you think That's, about yeah. it. And does it get amplified? And so how much is the mind over mood and working through pain? And how do I manage pain? Or maybe a fancier way to say it is like, what's my relationship with pain as you're running these long distances? And it's inevitable, I imagine, that something's going to be
1: hurting. Oh, yeah. For me, for most people I know, and you know, once you get into those longer distances, like you're in pain at the end, like you you do not finish comfortably. Again, there are many people, superhumans who, who are able to, you know, run a marathon, and it's just not a big deal. I found that just given the length of time I've been running, that you get to know your body, you get to know what is like a standard ache and pain, versus what's like a problem. If I'm running pretty much anything over like, you know, 10, 12 miles, there's going to be points in the run where like, all right, my knee feels a little weird right now. My sole of my foot, my shin's feeling a little sensitive each step, particularly my left one is my problem shin. But I know that that just kind of comes from the territory. Once I stop, I get home, I foam roll a little bit, take a shower, you know, spend the rest of the day recovering. I'll probably be pretty fine the next day, you know, after a day or two. And it's just... I'm not a physical therapist or, you know, anything. So I don't, I don't know what that is. I imagine it's just a lot of the time. It's just like some inflammation because you're putting yourself through a lot when you get into running longer distances. But in terms of like the relationship to pain, I think you have to kind of, if you are running a long distance, you have to kind of enjoy it or find some enjoyment or like reward out of it. Um, You have to be a little bit of a masochist? Is that what you Like a little bit. Yeah. Because I mean, there's no, especially... Every marathon I finished, the ultra when I finished, like, yeah, I'm like, I'm ecstatic that I finished it, that I accomplished what I, you know, what I set out to do, but like physically I'm not in good shape. I don't know. There is some like enjoyment of it because then, you know, you think about it, like I'm in this pain because I just ran 26 miles. I just ran 33 miles. I try to remain pretty humble. I, you know, I don't like actually, Megan, my wife tells me I should talk about you know these kind of achievements more cuz it's interesting but like in my head I've just done something that 90 95% of other people will never do. That's that's kind of cool.
0: That is cool. And I like that. You basically like reframe the pain a little bit. Yeah. It's not about pretending that the pain's not there and you don't even have to necessarily love every bit of the pain, but the pain becomes valuable because it's part of what I just accomplished. And that right. and that comes with pain. So it it puts a whole spin on things. And I think for people who maybe don't run, I I think it could be, there's a parallel in that it could be a lot of different things where we're experiencing pain or or discomfort or some other challenge. And if we're able to take a little step back and put it in the context of what comes along with this pain and how much growth comes along with this pain or whatever it is that we're accomplishing comes along with this pain and it puts a little spin on it. And it's not
1: just about the pain itself. Absolutely. I think you mentioned that kind of parallels to a lot of other things. I think you look at the converse of any positive emotion, whether it's happiness and sadness. You can't really value happiness if you don't know what it's like to be sad. You can't really value this feeling of physical accomplishment if you don't know the physical and, you know, like mental and emotional pain that it took to get you there. There's definitely value in it.
0: Yeah, I like that. What do you think of the trap of perfection? and all or nothing when it comes to training for long distance running. And when I have a setback, I'm like, oh man, here we go back to square one. Or I'm running one day and I want to try to hit a certain mark and I don't hit that mark. I can see how it's possible to fall into this like, well, everything's riding on this. If I didn't hit this mark, then I feel
1: like I failed. Well, I say this a lot because it's corny and I like it, but the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. And a friend of mine has always, his like little mantra is be better because you can always improve. So like whether you're training or you actually run a race and you don't finish it as fast or, you know, as strong as you want to like, yeah, that's, of course that's disappointing, but that just means you need to do better next time. I think that's one of the things I like about running is that it is so individualistic, you know, sure. There's always some things out of your control. Like if conditions, when you are running, whether it's a race or not. You know, it's rainy, windy. The course has a lot of elevation. There are some external factors, but a lot of it is it's just on you. So when you succeed, you can take full credit for that success. That's all me. I worked for this. I earned it. But then at the same time, that comes with the converse, which is if I failed, well, that's on me. I didn't take my training as seriously enough. I went out and got drunk last night. So my training run today doesn't feel good because I didn't treat my body right. And that's, you know, that's my fault. So I like that, you know, that there's that level of responsibility. You get to really treasure that success. And then if you don't, if you quote unquote fail, if you don't get to where you want to be, that's an opportunity to reevaluate and reprioritize.
0: That's a great point. It's a great observation. Because it's so individualistic, it forces you to really look in the mirror because it starts with you and it ends with you and with all the benefits of a team sport, but uh, this is you. So if, if it goes well, if it
1: doesn't go well, let me take a look at myself and evaluate. Absolutely. That's and that's goes back to you know some of the sacrifices you have to make. If you're you know serious about running these distances in your training for a marathon, that means like, well, if you're doing your long run on Saturday morning, probably means you can't go out you know, or you know, do anything too crazy Friday night. Like you have to, you know, reprioritize your life a bit.
0: Can you speak a little bit to maybe the positives? And if there are any negatives when you're running in a competition versus running solo on your own, does it fuel you? Does it create some negative thoughts there?
1: Yeah, Um I think for most, in my experience with most people I've spoken to about this, you know, you get that race day adrenaline. So, you know, if you're training at like eight minute, 30 second pace, odds are you're going to run a little bit faster on race day. There's always that adrenaline. There's always that extra push. You're surrounded by people. And that's generally been my experience. Not always is that race day, you run a little faster, you run a little harder. You get that pump up from this is the event you're training for. The negatives, I mean, you can't help but compare yourself. Sometimes, you know, you're running, you see a lot of other people pass you or you see somebody like up ahead or you see somebody who's finished and you're, you look at them and you're like, how the hell did you finish before me? But that just comes with this because then you think like, well, there's going to be somebody else looking at me thinking the same thing about me.
0: That's you know? such a relevant topic for all of us. Yeah. So if you look at someone who's running and like you finished before me, you're holding a, a shake and a burger and, and each <laughs> hand finished before me. And then you can look in, in, in quote unquote, real life of like, how are you so successful? Or how do you have this? And like, I work my tail off, and I don't have that. And is that fair? And you can get lost into that whole comparison world. And really, to sound cliche, we're only really competing against ourselves.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I found myself, you know, I'm, I'm 32 years old, I found myself right now, when it comes to running in like kind of the middle age group, where I see people who are clearly like older than me being faster at finish before me or running long, you know, longer distances. I'm like, you're 45 years old. Like, you know, how are you like, whatever you're 50, 60 years old doing that. Cause there are many like, you know, 50 60 plus year old runners who are in incredible shape. But then also you see like these college kids passing me and I'm like, I remember when I was in college and I didn't need to, you know, worry about it. Anything. So it's, just, I see that on both sides. Cause I'm, I see the, like the young kids who are just nothing ever hurts. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then the, the older, uh, you know, quote unquote, older folk who um, just have more experience and are better.
0: Is a naked run on your bucket list?
1: <laughs> um, no, not real. I mean, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I, if the opportunity came up, I'd consider it, but it's not something I'm seeking out. I've actually, you know, I've, I've never, I've never done much, much of the novelty runs like the color run or the paint run or you know all that kind of stuff. I've I've done a warrior dash, and there's this ten mile obstacle course race that I think Men's Health put on in New York a couple of years ago that I did. But yeah, I've done
0: I've done a couple of those. Yeah,
1: yeah. They're, oh they're 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 fun, but I you know I just I stick to the like just running. I get my variety with CrossFit.
0: Have you heard of the Iron Cowboy? I think his name is. He's no. The- no. So Iron Cowboy, I think his name is Iron Cowboy. He's did like 50, 50 Ironmans, 50 states, 50 days.
1: Oh, I know like um, Dean Carnassus has done something similar with just marathons, like, you know, 50 and 50 and 50. There's some really, really incredible people out there. I mean, it's just mind blowing. I mean, you mentioned the that movie All what, is all In or All or Nothing or, you know. Oh, I or, think oh was, just the one or something like that. Yeah. There's, like, uh, Unbreakable, which is probably the most inspiring movie anybody could ever see. It's about the 2010 Western States 100, which is a 100-mile ultra marathon through the Sierra Nevadas. And it's just – it's beautifully shot, and it's, like, you watch that, and it's just these – it focuses on these four runners that are just – they're just unbelievable. Yeah, there's – I mean, there's some pretty awesome people.
0: Something specific to running, and just maybe briefly touch on it, is – the selection process for a marathon because I'm thinking of like setbacks that maybe some people have don't you have to be put on a lottery for some of the bigger races so isn't it possible that you can train and train and train and then not get selected
1: uh yeah for some of the races like the bigger ones there is a lottery involved I've never run one of those because I want to know that I'm getting in like if I'm going to train for it I want to just have that on my calendar but with a lot of the bigger ones, like I know New York City, Boston, I'm, I know there's so many others, you have to put your name in and you might not get picked. So the people I know who who do those races, they're also training for other marathons. So it's not like if they if they don't get into the New York City marathon, it's not like, oh, damn, I guess I should stop training. It's like, you know, they've still got others going on. I mean, there's also usually with those races, there's a the lotto process, but it's oftentimes if you fundraise. For like there certain organizations, you can get in just like kind of automatically. I think they have a certain number of fundraising spots available. Yeah.
0: Okay. I'm really curious. Looking back, maybe I need a minute to think about this. But looking back, what what surprised you? Now that you're, I would say, knee deep into into long distance running, what surprised you both in a positive, surprising way, and something that maybe was, I don't know. Didn't anticipate that was maybe more challenging getting into long-distance running. Another way to look at it is is like, and there's probably ten answers to this, but what is something that it taught me?
1: Okay, I mean, I think in just in general, like perseverance. I mean, that kind. Of, I guess that's not really surprising, but just like the applicability of that to so many other you know aspects of life is things get hard and you really just have to push through. The other thing is, um, I'm surprised is how much it taught me discipline. And just the importance of sticking with the training program, sticking with the goal. Like if you say you're going to do it, like you really have to do it and dedicate time and effort to make it happen. And I think that discipline is like, you know, is like a muscle. You really, it needs training. So are you surprised
0: at how much you were able to accomplish?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just in terms of the accomplishment itself. Like I, I, like in March, I said, I was going to run 33 miles. I didn't know if I'd actually be able to do it the fact that I did was like pretty surprising. Like, I mean, I was confident as confident as I could be going in. Like, you know, I know how to run. I had been training, but like 33 miles is a long way to know what would happen. So, you know, the fact that you do accomplish this, you know, this pretty incredible feat, like that's always a surprise.
0: I guess to try to go on that second part of the question one more time, is there something, because you, you mentioned a number of challenges that Mm -hmm. someone who's getting into this has to overcome. Was there one challenge that like, whoa, I didn't think this was going to be so hard, or this component was going to be so challenging? Like, I didn't even anticipate that I would have to overcome this
1: part. For me, I found the most challenging part actually. Another thing about it, is fuel and nutrition and like hydration during running these longer distances. I didn't, I didn't really anticipate that. I've had a couple run-ins where I, I've like, you know. It was a half marathon I ran on a particularly hot day, and I was carried out off from the finish line into the med tent afterwards because I was just so completely dehydrated and like I couldn't feel my hands, hyperventilating. It was, I, it was really, it was really bad. And that same thing, you know, the same thing can happen if you're not fueling efficiently and eating right while you're running these longer distances. And that was a challenge and an adjustment that I had to really. It took some trial and error. Eating while running is a. Uh, we're not supposed to eat while we're running. <laughs> so it definitely you have to train and work your body to be able to adapt to that. You have to figure out what works for you. Pretty much any time whenever it's warmer than 70 degrees and if I'm running longer than like 8 miles, I run with a camelback because I've found that I I sweat a lot and I dehydrate really quickly. And so even though I don't even go through all, you know, whatever water I bring on my back, the security of having that there helps mentally as well that like no, I'm not gonna collapse on the side of the road
0: <laughs> right and when I hear you say that what immediately comes to mind is that when we're working on our mental well-being so many of us can be like hyper focused on just the task at hand whereas like you just said you could be focused just on the running but your general taking care of yourself your self-care yeah. all contributes to that so like if I'm working with someone who unfortunately is struggling with depression Certainly, we're focused on that, but there's all this other self-care of your sleep, of your nutrition, of yep. your exercise, and all these other things which you may not think of directly as, oh, A plus B equals C, but it's, it's a conglomerate. It's a, it's a whole bunch of different factors that contribute to well-being, and in the running world, it's like, yeah, of course, you have to focus on your training and your running and all that, yep. but you got this nutrition that you really got to work on.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you touched on it already, but when you're getting into all this, I mean, at least, you know, for me, because I I take it fairly seriously, you do have to make sure you're getting enough sleep that you're eating right throughout the week, not just that you're drinking enough water throughout the week, particularly in the day or two prior to like a longer run or a race. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things to it.
0: So let's make a right turn here for a second. What's your unfiltered take on
1: Peloton? I don't know. I'll be honest. I have put no, no research, no thought into it at all. I know a couple of people with Pelotons who are really into it. It seems like if you have a Peloton, you're almost more into it, into Pelotons than CrossFitters starting to CrossFit. I'm generally a supporter of anything that gets people active, but I actually know nothing. But all I know is that it's crazy expensive.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> true. And I was told the other week, actually, that they still haven't made a profit.
1: Real, oh, it's one of those startups or something because I know like Uber still doesn't make a profit yeah, I don't know I mean people people love it, it gets people moving, so I guess I'll say I support it, but I know nothing more than that <laughs> if, it, if it works it works right it, exactly exactly
0: so I, I want to give some time now before we wrap this up is that you mentioned that you did this ultra marathon last year for a really good cause, and it's near and dear to your heart. It was for your brother, so can you share? What led to that? Talk perhaps a little bit about your brother and what the cause is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I've found a lot of people who know that my brother died are hesitant to bring it up around me uh, because you know that's understandable. People don't wanna talk about death. That's a, a problem in our society. But my, my brother Adam, was, he's three years younger than me. He struggled with addiction from the time he was, I don't know, late teens. Uh, I, you know, I certainly don't believe that cannabis is a gateway drug. Generally, but for him it was, um, and it just one thing led to another, and he became addicted to heroin and uh, was homeless on and off, it, just dealing with the the typical struggles. What I'm at, you know, whatever, from what I understand are the typical struggles of addiction, homelessness, poverty, many mental health issues that were no one really knew. Like, well, did the drugs cause mental health issues? Did the mental health issues lead to the drugs? You know, dual diagnosis kind of thing. He died when during my last year in law school. On March 11th, 2017, he overdosed on fentanyl the day after he left the University of Maryland medical psych unit. After che- he checked himself in there because he was scared he was going to harm himself. And then he left two weeks later with plans to go back to Helping Up Mission. And he made a stop on the way there and then never left. Helping Up Mission was the, the one place because, you know, with any, many addicts, you know, they, they go through... Many periods of sobriety and attempts at sobriety, many rehabs, but helping a mission, that's the one place that he checked himself into, stuck with the entire program, and stayed sober the longest afterwards. It was a really great program, really great organization. They do a lot of good. And my mom particularly, you know, stayed in touch with several of the staff there that had particularly close relationships with Adam. So I had, when someone's dealing with addiction for that long, you really, like for my Point of view, it you know, really robs them of who they actually are. So I felt like I didn't really have a brother for most of my life or most of my adult life. But I wanted to, since his death, I wanted to come up with some way to honor him and, you know, memorialize him. And so I came up with the idea that this past year, what would have been his 29th birthday, I thought, well, why don't I see if I can raise some money for helping a mission in doing that? My activity would be running at least 29 miles for his 29th birthday. And then the more Self centered part of me was like, well, if I'm going to run 29 miles, let's at least get an, an, an official ultra marathon out of it. Let's at least run 31 miles. So I, I created a GoFundMe. I put a fundraising goal of $2,900, keeping with the 29. I thought, like, this would be so cool if I raised $2,900. I've never fundraised significantly before. My wife, Megan, my mom and dad would probably tell you I really put myself out there a lot on the GoFundMe page. I, you know, really explained Adam's story and the significance. And you know how it affected me and my family, and it got a lot of support. It kept surpassing. You know, I when I hit twenty nine hundred dollars in like eighteen hours, I doubled it to fifty six hundred dollars. I think or fifty eight. I think I hit that within two days, and then ultimately, just more and more, I got up to over ten thousand dollars. Wow. And I planned the course from. If anyone is from around Baltimore, probably familiar with the NCR Trail, which runs from Hunt Valley all the way up to York, Pennsylvania at the Maryland line, it becomes the York County Heritage Trail, but uh, with the incredible support of my wife, Megan, and my family, and uh, many friends who came out and joined me for little pieces of the run, and, you know, were at various stops along the way to cheer me on, but I got dropped off about 13 miles north of the Maryland border in Pennsylvania along the trail, and just ran south to Hunt Valley, so it worked out to be just over 33 miles, and, yeah, it's probably it's probably one of the coolest things I've ever done. And the and the fact that I got to tie it back to Adam and bring attention to his story, I think that in general death, but then specifically addiction and mental health is such it's so stigmatized. And I think that's part of the problem, especially with addiction, is that you know there's so much shame and secrecy around it. I'm very comfortable talking about it. I actually I hate when people aren't comfortable talking. I mean, I get it, some people just don't don't want to talk about their own issues. Don't want to, you know, don't know what to say, but one of the biggest problems is treating it like it's some other when like, you know, it's clearly everywhere. It's been a problem for decades, but you know, it hasn't really become a focus until it's began um, hitting like the white middle class community, but like, it's clearly everywhere. And, you know, we shouldn't be ashamed to discuss it. I think, I think it's important that people that we do share about it. And I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's harmful and it's a disservice to to my brother Adam and to anybody else who's lost their lives to addiction is, the, is to try to avoid it.
0: I couldn't agree with you more, and this is part of the hope of, of doing things like this is that we just talk more and talk more and talk more. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And you know, you mentioned, and sometimes this is overlooked, I think, in some of the conversations, is that there's a very broad impact. There's the person themselves is struggling with addiction, and like you said, A sibling, a family member, a parent, a classmate. It's far reaching as far as the impact. And there's shame and stigma, no question. And the shame and stigma sometimes for family members who, you know, my my sibling or my parent or my child is is struggling with addiction with heroin. It's not easy for everyone to say. The more we say it, I think the better off we are and, and to talk about it but there is a broad impact on everybody. So you said you're comfortable sharing. So absolutely. I imagine that run must've been an emotional run.
1: Yeah, there were definitely parts of it that were, like I said, when you are running these long distances, a lot of it, you have to really focus on like, all right, I need to take one more step, one more step. That's all you can really think about it. But yeah, there are other points where it is, there's a lot, there was a lot of meaning behind it. It meant a lot. I know it also meant a lot to my mom and dad too is a really important way I think for me to express the impact it had on me.
0: Right. And next year you're going to double it.
1: <laughs> I don't know about doubling it, but I've, I you know I have thought about like, you know, every year, why not until it becomes unmanageable. Why not every year I can try on his birthday or around his birthday to run his age in miles. And you know, I don't know if I'd fundraise every time. I'd I'd feel like, you know, I'm asking too much of people to like keep donating year after year, but you know, even so, even if it's just to raise awareness. I think it's important to call attention to that.
0: Yeah. And, and to me, I think it's very just inspiring of what one person can accomplish when you started off. It was like, okay, you know, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll raise a couple of bucks. And the takeaway is, is that one person can create a lot. If more of us jumped in, you know, just trying, then who knows what kind of ripples and, and, and impact we
1: can make. And absolutely. A lot of people reached out to me afterwards. A lot of people donated and reached out to me that I hadn't spoken to in years, people I didn't know at all. So it really like clearly affected a lot of people. And I think, you know, most people nowadays, unfortunately, know somebody or know of somebody who is currently struggling with addiction or, or died. So it's a, yeah. ser- it's a serious problem.
0: All right, Jake, thank you so much. Absolutely. They can't respond because they're just listening on a recording, but I'm sure the people listening, thank you as well. I thank you for the time. I thought this was very meaningful and I hope that people get something out of it. So thank you for joining me. Absolutely, thank you for the opportunity. I really enjoyed the chat.